Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. All right, fantastic. Good job, guys, putting that together for us. Wednesday, 6 p.m., as, as Justin said, uh, we're going to have our uh, Blitz evening, and uh, the menu will be up for all the small groups that are offering. We have a few more that weren't there on the video, and uh, so we got a nice offering of small groups. We want you to jump in and jump on board with that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, and then just a couple of little housekeeping things. So they tell us we got a hurricane coming. I thought it was interesting that was in the song, like a hurricane. Anyway, I was like, maybe not. I'm hoping not, Lord. But anyway, we don't need that illustration coming true. But uh, so look, it's kind of cool having um, weather apps like that that we can kind of just look at that little rotating thing coming and just saying, Lord, just push that out into the Atlantic. We don't need that. A little shiver goes down our spine when we hear about hurricanes around these parts. But uh, so um, let's be praying about that. But I, I did want to say that in the event that it does, you know, it's looking like probably Friday evening, Saturday, and of course Sunday will be a post-hurricane kind of event. So get your app on your phone, all right, because we'll post any updates regarding uh, upcoming uh, events, cancellations, or if we, you know, do anything with the services, we'll certainly let you know on the app. So that's kind of a cool thing that we can use for in the event of that. Uh, so check it out. All right. So in the light of uh, and us talking about small groups, I want to talk today about loving one another. And I want to begin with a section of scripture that's right from the heart of Paul. And uh, I love the epistles because, you know, in the Bible we have uh, God's love for us shown in all the different ways that he communicates to us. So he gives us love letters, he gives us songs that he sings to us, love songs, and then we get a chance to hear the prophetic you know, promises of God, giving us, seeing into the future of what God's going to do, and then we see the history of God's chosen people and all that he had done with them. But in the epistles here, we have, we, we have a, a letter that's written that is inspired by God and very, very practical as it applies to the local church's you know, uh, during the first century. And so from it is so much that we can gather. And so we're going to do that. We're going to jump right in today and we're going to talk about why it's so important. Now, this is kind of a part two from last week's message. And we're talking about small groups and why they're so important. So we looked at Acts chapter two today. We're going to look at kind of a broader picture. We're going to kind of fill in some of the, the, the blanks here. Now, first Thessalonians chapter four, one and two and nine through 12 Paul is speaking to the church. Now, let me just give you a little preface here. Paul likes the Thessalonians. Now, it's not that he didn't like all the churches. He liked them all, but there were some that were a little problematic, and he had to get after a little bit, like the Corinthians. And then there were the ones he really liked, the Philippians and the Macedonians, especially the church in Thessalonica. And so here we're getting, a, get, getting that feel, and Paul is coming in like a coach. And so if you look, think of it in those terms, check this out, what he is speaking to them. He says, as for other matters, of course, he's discussed several things already in, in that epistle. He says, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. So that's important. That's good. That, that, we should listen up and say, okay, wow, what is Paul getting ready to say here? Because that applies to us for sure as believers. He says, in order to please God, as in fact you're doing, so he's saying you're doing this, now, I underline in your notes, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. 
So here's the coach heart coming out. They've just come off the field. They've just scored a touchdown. They spiked the ball, and it was awesome. Everybody was cheering. Great job. Comes off the the field, and Paul gathers the team together, and he says, great job, guys. Now go and do it again. Do it again. So in other words, this this is not a time for us to just sit back and rest in our laurels. This is not a time for us to spike the ball and say, you know, I've I've arrived, I've achieved some measure of of spiritual uh, maturity, and I'm happy with that. No, no, he's saying, no, no, you got to do so more and more. And these are, as I said, people that he really likes. So he's really, he's giving that Holy Spirit unction to say, don't give up. Keep pressing. It's called the principle of pursuit. Keep pursuing that which is good and moving forward, because that's when it really gets good. Verse 2, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Paul's apostolic authority speaking through. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. So he's referring to God being Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? To love others as ourselves. So he's appealing to that. He says, so God has taught you that. Jesus taught you that, that you're supposed to, supposed to love one another. So he said, I don't need to really hone in on that like I did the Corinthians in chapter 13 of his first epistle. He says, you've been taught by God, verse 10. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. So they had a reputation for being a very loving church, not only in Thessalonica, but throughout all Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, Paul points out something that is huge. He's saying you need to love one another. And he goes, and, and, and he gets, so he's saying, look, I don't really need to hone in on that because you guys are doing it. But I, I, as I'm looking at this, I'm, as a Christian, I'm listening to Paul, and I'm kind of imagining myself sitting there in the locker room with Paul, and, I, and, we're, and we're doing well. And he goes and says, keep going. Now, I know I don't need to tell you guys how to play this game. I don't need to tell you what you're, what you're, what you're, what you're supposed to do when you get out on there in the field. You all know. You all been taught. You all been trained. But... Do, do it again. Do it better. Do it harder. Do it with more passion. Let's make it happen. Can you feel it? Paul is pressing on the church. He's saying, guys, look, you've been known for being a loving church, but let's do so more and more. And he's going to show us, as we look at the whole New Testament, how to make that happen. How do we do so more and more? Well, that's what we need to talk about today. Because to just say, Let's love one another. I, I think every hand would go up in the room. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, honey, that's Bible. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Jesus said, hey, we need to love one another. That's good. It's easier said than done, isn't it? Easier said than done. He says, so we told you to, to, to mind your own business. Now he goes on and says, look, so, and, and then he points out really what this is all about because it's not just about us. What he says here is that in, as a result of the church loving one another and being professional lovers of one another, come on, that the world will see your love for one another. You will impact the world. Now, before I get into how we're doing this, I tell you what, we really need this right now. 
Paul told Timothy that in the last days that the love of many would grow cold. You know, I don't encourage you to read much of the news, but if you do, it's getting ugly out there. There's a lot of vitriol, a lot of hatred as we're kind of round in the corner as we almost always do in these midterm seasons when it comes to politics. Man, people just start busting out the ugly. And what we're seeing, what's going on here is that there's, there's a lot of accusation, a lot of hatred, and the anti-Christian sentiment that I, you know, I talked about last Sunday is growing. And uh, th- this is a, cur- a cultural phenomenon that we're actually seeing take place right now. But really, that is, I mean, I don't fear that. I'm not afraid of that That's because this has happened with the church many, many times before. And it's actually the church's finest hour. Because now we get to show the world what Christianity really is by loving one another. And the problem is we haven't really given the world a very good picture of what the church is, to be honest. And so here we are, gathered together. Here we are as a church needing to kind of discuss. We need to, we need to get a little deeper in here. We need to talk about the elephant in the room. We need to discuss some of the, the difficulty and, the, and the, the immaturity maybe and the, the lack of understanding when it comes to what this love thing is all about and how the church can be the church, and how we can impact outsiders, how we can, we, can tell, we can show the world what this gospel really is. And folks, that's what it is. It's more than words. It has to be more than words. It has to be a, a demonstration of the love of God as seen in you and me. So how do we do that? How do we make it happen? How do we do so more and more? Well, I've chosen seven. Now, it's interesting, when you look up one another in the New Testament, there's about 32, 33 examples of, of, of things that we're told to do one another, for one another, to one another, that, are, that, that would be an example of love. But some of them overlap and are kind of uh, a little redundant, not to say the Bible's redundant, but they, they were used in different contexts. So, but I've chosen seven that I think are plenty for us to look at this morning and say, we need to dig in. We need to dig in. This is where we could grow. This is where we could impact the world around us and change our own lives in the process. So how do we do that? Number one, it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we need to encourage one another to build each other up. And now that's interesting because that should be our goal, but it's not always the case. Because, you know, sometimes when we're trying to encourage each other, we're really not encouraging each other. And, and, and so when it becomes really a desire of our heart, when it's passionate, when it's not about me, and I'm really being directed by the Holy Spirit to encourage you and you encourage me, then some really amazing things happen. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Perhaps you've been in a situation where you're confused. Maybe you're uh, discouraged. Maybe a little depressed. And you've gotten a little, a little too much in your own head. You ever done that before? Or you're trying to think, and you think, and you think, and you think until your thinker's worn out. And you get to the point where it's just, man, I need some fresh input. And, and sitting down with a brother and sister, or getting on the phone, somebody with a, a spark of life or faith, really just like, wow, that was good. That was like a fresh, I mean, the proverb speaks about that, like a, a word from afar, you know, just being that fresh drink of water that just brings breakthrough, as we sung about, but just kind of like, I now have a divine perspective. Now, you may not know what I'm talking about, but if you think about it, you've, you've experienced it before. This, just this past week, I did. I, I had a phone call with my pastor, and we were talking about some things, and it was not that I was confused or depressed or anything. It had nothing to do with that. It was just that I had so much input. 
I had been praying and thinking and thinking and praying. I was just worn out. I was like, look, bro, let me just share with you what's, what I'm thinking. And boom, he just shared. And it was just like, just saw the fog dissipate. And it was just like, okay, this is good. This is what I needed to hear. Encouragement. And we all need that. And that's one of the, a major way that we can show this kind of encouragement. Now, it doesn't have to come from a pastor. It doesn't even have to come. I mean, it's amazing where it can come from if the heart is hungry. And we are putting ourselves in a place where we're willing to hear it. You see? Which then goes right back to the church needing to be the church. Why we need to be together people to people. So this is wonderful. We had a wonderful celebration here today. We're all facing the front. You're hearing the apostolic teaching this morning, as the early church did. But now we need to meet from house to house. Now we need to let these gifts that are residing in each one of you, especially this gift of encouragement, to come through. To come through and really to do that. And that's, that's a healthy church. A healthy church is like the body, as Paul said. And what does the body do? The body takes care of itself. A healthy body... When everything is rocking and rolling on the inside and all our organs are doing what they're supposed to do, the body has been designed by God to be awesome. And so the body of Christ is the same way, that what we have, everything we need to be healthy is right in this room today. In the way of the gifts, in the way of the encouragements, the life stories, the divine perspectives, but we need to put ourselves in that place to do it. We're going to grow in that. We're going to add to this. Number two, we need to pray for one another. In Romans chapter 12, 10, you say, well, that's obvious. Well, not so obvious, because the truth is, a lot of us talk about prayer, but don't pray. I hate to say that, but I mean, yeah, it's one of, that's, as, as uh, Justin says, drop mic, right? Kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of a wake-up moment, and it's true. And, and it's, it's been a little bit of a pet peeve of mine as a pastor that sometimes what we think is that the Facebook prayer page is just a kind of a clearinghouse of me just dumping out what are all my needs, and then I don't do anything. Now, th- look, there are times when you can't pray. There are times when you're so overwhelmed, you just need to say, look, would you pray for me? I can't stand. But you know what? My heart and your heart should be too that you need to learn how to stand having done all the stand. Therefore, stand. In other words, you need to learn how to pray. Guess what? You got a mouth. Guess what? You can, you, can say the very, you can speak those promises. You can say in Jesus' name. You have all the exousia, all the authority, all the dunamis, all the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling you to be able to do whatever you need to speak it in the Spirit. You got it. It's all there. You just need to practice. You need to try it out. It's sitting in your driveway. Drive it. Use it. Now, when you're going and you're praying, and, 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 and now we're going to another, this is a whole series on prayer, but the next thing you might do is get, get with somebody else and say, let's two of us, as touching this one thing, really do something dangerous. So you can pray and have authority for yourself, but then when you bring somebody else to pray with you in unity together, both praying, now you've got exponential, two can put to flight 10,000. There's a whole prayer thing, but look, we need to be praying for one another and not just talking about prayer. We don't just need to see it as a four-letter word and, and, and just do incantations. I know I, I get a little crazy with this, but I think sometimes we just want to offer up the flare prayer. You know? 
man, we need to talk to Jesus. We need to talk to him. We need to share our heart. We need to open up with what's going on. And we need to start our day with this kind of prayer. And then, here's what's cool. When you get filled up and you're growing with the kind of personal confidence that when you're getting your need met in, pray, in, 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 met in prayer and you've been able to, uh, uh, to unload all of your burden, now it's overflowing. Now I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm game. I just came off the field. You got a problem in your life? Show me what to hit because I'm ready to hit it. I mean, I am filled up. So tell me what is your need. Randy, what's going on? And Because, man, I'm prayed up. Tell me what you got. Let's, let's do it. See, it's overflow. And that's the way it really is supposed to be. Now, in a perfect world, of course, not all of us are peaking at the same time. Some of us are going through struggles. We're going through battles. We're, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. And you'll see that that's why loving one another is so important. But we've got to pray for one another. We need to think just outside of our own box of, and, 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 and offloading our prayer needs. But what we should be doing a little more aggressively is, how can I pray for you, Bruce? What's going on? How's it going on in your life? How are you doing there? How are you doing that? You know? How can I connect? Randy, what's going on? How can I, how can I stand with you with, with your situation? That's how we love one another. That's a practical way of loving. See, I mean, you know, just saying, hey, I love you, bro. I love you, sis. Those are good words. And, and I almost end every conversation that on the phone or in person, now that I'm 55 and, 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 and everybody's my brother and my sister, I'll tell people I love you. Because I do. And I'm not uncomfortable with that. To say, I mean, I love you. Because that's, that's Bible. And what it's doing is that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking with my words, and that, that, that's another thing we can learn is that when you speak with your words, often what you're doing is you're laying the foundation to where you're going to go and act. Your words are pretty powerful stuff. Another series. Number three, we need to bear one another's burdens. Now, I stuck another little word in there because you're going to see that this verse can go in two different directions. It's kind of cool because it actually is written differently in a couple of different situations. So let's start with the first one there in Colossians chapter 3. It says, bear one another's burdens. In that sense, it's just like, Jerry, Jerry's got some burdens, and I, and I just kind of say, Jerry, I got a few of my own, but go ahead, jump on back there. Come on, get on, and, and let's carry this thing together. <clears throat> it's grabbing the other side of the table. Somebody's dragging it across the room. Oh, come on, man, let's do this. That's bearing one another's burdens, and that's being aware of the burden of your life. It means I know what's going on. I know the struggles. I know, um, and to, in order to be able to bear one another's burdens, what's important? I mean, what's the key to that? Knowing what they are. How can I bear a burden in your life if I don't know? And how can we know unless you tell us? Man, we've run into that as pastors and elders before. Hey, man, where have you been? Well, you know, I got sick, almost died, got, got carried off by pirates, ended up in Mexico, but I'm back now. Doing okay. Well, we didn't know about any of that. Well, and, and, and you want to lovingly kind of rebuke them and just say, you kind of need to tell us so that we can be praying for you, standing with you, maybe even send a rescue crew to get you out of Mexico. I mean, you know, let us play, let us help. But what's incredible, incredibly important to all that is letting us know. See? Now, don't do the little thing. It's a little selfish called the setup. 
and just sit there back in the corner, sit there in the corner and say, no, I'm just going to see how long it takes them to figure I'm not here. Two weeks gone by, no call. Don't do that. It's not good. As the church grows, as the body grows, we're all learning. Everybody's got lives. There's a lot of need, and that's the way it goes. It shifts. It flows. Come on, man. We do have sheepdogs that will start barking if they notice something going on. But you know what? We don't catch it all. So you need to let us know. And don't be, and you're not troubling us. Man, we, you, you let us know what's going on in your lives. We'll stand with you, pray with you, do what we can. That's how that works. Now, the, the other aspect of this verse is interesting. Bear with, if you're looking at the notes, it says bear with one another. Now, that's a little different, isn't it? Before I'm bearing your, helping you bear your burden, the other one is I got to put up with you. Folks, that's the church. I'm sorry, it just is what it is. There's a whole lot of putting up with one another that goes on in this body. And a good, healthy body, you know what? The more I grow and learn about love, and I got a whole lot more to learn, is that <clears throat> I, li- I love you and you love me in spite of myself. And you know, <clears throat> I try that. And so that means I might walk up to you and, and just say, hey man, how are you doing? And, and, and I'm just getting to know you. And, 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 and part of that is just kind of reaching out to get what are your likes, what are your dislikes? Oh, I love sumo wrestling. Okay? I, I don't really know much about sumo wrestling, but give me some details. And kind of pushing past. It's, you know, it could be a north-south thing. Like when I came here, man, ladies were ready to, to, to hook me up with some collard greens. And I said, yuck. I can't deal with that. And so, of course, there was an initial whether I was going to make it here at Valley. It was like, I don't know, Pastor, if you can't eat collard greens, we don't know if you can. Mm. But thank God they loved me anyway. And Miss Dorr started bringing me spinach. Now we're doing. Now we're getting somewhere. But see, that's life, isn't it? Because we have different opinions. We have preferences. I like it loud. I like it soft. I like blue carpet. Well, I want something else. I, you know, too much purple in those lights. Not enough purple in those lights. I mean, I don't like the way the pastor dresses when he preaches. Pause for effect. You know what I'm saying? And we get to these kind of things, and, and they become a distraction from being able to love one another. You know what? When we bear with one another, we get past that kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? You drive me insane, but I love you, bro. And you know, you get past the honeymoon when you come to a church or involved in a small group, and that's what we actually call it is the honeymoon period. Then you really get to know one another. And you, there are certain things about, you know, little ticks in your life, a little things that you like, the fact that you're from Ohio or something like that. Another pause for effect. But anyway, I grew up in Michigan. You know the problem. Anyway, these kinds of things, you learn to kind of get past this. You learn to kind of press past them and just love people anyway. It's like, I'm not going to let that come between us, these little preferences and stuff. So anyway, I mean, I noticed years ago when I read an article on what makes marriages last, you know, 30-plus years marriage, how do, how do you make them last? One of the common things that, they, that these couples write, now that I'm at the 30-year mark, and it's so absolutely true, is that you learn to overlook the stuff that drives you insane. Because after a while, I mean, after the 10th year, and certainly by the 15th year, you realize you're stuck, baby. You got what you got. 
And if they don't stick those, those socks in the hamper every morning, the chance of that happening, I don't know. But of course, you grow and you learn and you grow and you love and you push past those things. Really, what we're talking about is making a very big list to a much smaller list, right? Because yes, we should love one another and grow and, and mature in those ways. But look, that's what it is. And, and so bearing with one another, folks, look, a lot of people say, look, I don't come to church because it's full of hypocrites. Crits. No, that's not really the reason. It's because you've got thin skin. And it's because you're a little tired of people being not like you. Now, am I being honest or am I being honest? And so that's kind of what it comes down to. It's just like, you know, I, I love the church until you started really stepping on my toes about areas that I needed to change. And you know what? Change is inevitable. You follow Jesus. You ever heard of the cross? Kind of where that path leads, by the way. <laughs> it goes through a lot of beautiful, wonderful places. And as soon as we go to the top of the hill, there it is, the cross. Crucifying our desires, our passions, everything. Laid down, our preferences, every bit of it. And what comes out of it is a pure love to say, man, I, I don't know what it is about you, and I don't really care, but you know what? I love you anyway, and we're going to press pat. That is the church. That's how we love one another more and more. That's it. Number four, to give to one another as each has need. Of course, the physical needs. Now, you say, well, there it is right there in the Bible, Pastor David, socialism. You know, there it is. No. No, that's not it, and I'm not going to talk anymore about that. But what I'm going to tell you is that the first, you can't legislate love. Did you know that? You can't make people love one another. You can't pass a law. Everybody must love one another. That's only going to tick them off and make them beat on each other even more. You can't do it. It has to come from here. It has to come from a transformational work of God to cause me to be able to bear with when he, There's a lot of differences in that. We're the, we're the big melting pot nation, and boy, do we see we're coming to the boil over. And... Christians, we need to be on the cutting edge of showing the rest of the world how this thing is done and how we love people regardless. We love people. We push past. And you know what? It's interesting. The more that we do love people, we really do grow. We expand our own ability to understand where people come from, understand their needs. So when it came to the body, what was going on here, I better jump on this, is that, look, we got to understand what was going on. These people belonged to synagogues, and as they turned to Christ, they were kicked out of their synagogues. You understand that? They were ostracized. They were, they, and therefore, they were cut off from their businesses. They were cut off from their resources. So some of these people who were doing well were now destitute. And so the church, what is the church going to do? Well, let's pick it up. And guess what? Most of these people were family. I mean, it was, Jerusalem was a very small city compared to cities that we would know. Everybody knew one another. So there was a connection. I mean, what are we going to do? Let Uncle Shlomo die? and starve to death? No way. And so they gathered together. They did what was natural. They did what we, any of us would have done, and that's love one another and gather one another and make sure that they're not starving. They got kicked out of the synagogue, so they have no more familial connections. So come over to us. Let's start over and make what is called the church. So it makes sense that sharing what they had in common and need was a major political problem that was really brought on by the religious elite, the, 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 the Pharisees and whatnot. So it doesn't, it doesn't teach us any kind of 
political pattern is what I'm saying. This, the sharing of the needs was more of the fruit of changed hearts and perceived need. So now let's fast forward to where we are as a people today. When we gather together as a church and we gather and we begin to meet house to house and share lives, okay, share lives, then we then are attracted and, and see the need and our hearts rise up to help people out, to, to bless one another. So it's not pushed, it's not uh, oppressed upon you, it's not forced. It is let me as a pastor just create the atmosphere, the opportunity for the body to be able to take care of itself. You see? It's so important to understand that. So that when the church began to care for itself, it was out of passion. It was out of the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the, the work of, of, of loving one another and being connected to heart-to-house, heart-to-heart, house-to-house kind of thing. So this is what the church did. And it, how do we do so? How do we love one another more and more? We do take notice of that. We do take note. I mean, it would be absolutely wrong that as a pastor, I get up and say, okay, I want all you rich folks to stay after church. It's shakedown time. That wouldn't be right. Wouldn't be wrong. I mean, it wouldn't be right at all. As a matter of fact, yeah, I mean, huh? Is there a song that does that? Anyway. <laughs> Didn't Aretha Franklin have a song that went like that? I don't know. Anyway, you, you, you're, you're picking up on it, aren't you, Jennifer? All right. So give to one another as each has need. How do we know what the need is? Unless we're sharing our lives together, doing life together. All right. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. Well, folks, this is, that's how we love one another. Disciples are all together in group. Honeymoon period is over. The guys are all excited about the fact that they've been chosen by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. All of a sudden, they now are getting to know one another, and the henpecking and the struggle and the battle and the infighting begins to kick in. Matter of fact, who is going to be the greatest when the kingdom of God comes? They're arguing about these things. Jesus, of course, is just like, Lord, can, Father, can I, can I come home? I'm getting tired of these guys. They're a mess. I'm just joking. What, so they finally come to him and just say, how many times do we need to forgive one another? Is there a set limit here that I need to put up with this guy? And Jesus says, no, you forgive as often as it is needed. Whew. Another, this is how we love one another. This is how we do so more and more. In other words, folks, we're in this together. And as you begin to do life together, we're going to step on each other's toes. We're going to do things that upset one another. And, and that's just, I mean, that's family, that's life. And yet here we are. We need to show by example that we're not just going to quit and walk away, take our toys and go home. But we're going to forgive that person even though it hurts, even though I don't understand why they did what they did. And why is that so important? Because, my friends, we live at a constant deficit. What Jesus did for me, he has forgiven my sins in the past. He's forgiven my sins now, any that I've committed today. And he'll forgive my sins confidently. No, he'll forgive my sins tomorrow for the rest of my life. My sins are forgiven, statement given. So it doesn't matter what Randy ever does to me. It doesn't matter what Randy's got planned to do to me. Because he's a believer and I'm a believer. And it doesn't matter I'm going to forgive him. You see what that is? That's a proactive forgiveness. That's living with an understanding of what for, the power of forgiveness. 
Instead of saying, well, I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to evaluate that one. Uh uh-uh. uh. You don't have, I'm sorry, Christian. You do not have the right or the privilege to do that. Not based on what Jesus did on the cross for you. Not in comparison to any sin that you've been forgiven and what you will commit. Forgiveness. How do we love one another more and more? Continue to forgive. Be devoted to one another. In Romans chapter 12, 10, devotion, great word. When we think of devotion, we think family, we think husband, wife, we think maybe too devoted to a particular priority in our life or, or, or something that we enjoy doing. But it says devoted to one another. Wow, that's, that's up there. That means the people that we're doing life with, I mean, there is a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a familial connection that we have that goes beyond. And, and so I want to challenge you, when you're in, in this local church, or any that you've ever been on, in, or will be a part of, of course, we want you to be a part of ours in this, in, in this small group sense, is that if you begin doing life, matter of fact, you could feel it last night when we were doing the carnival out there. Man, we were doing this together. We were connected in heart over the same vision, the same goal. We celebrated together. We sweat together. We, we, you know, we struggled, and we ran for our lives together when the first bolt of lightning hit. You know? By the way, I was in the dunk tank my feet dangling in water. And somebody said, was that lightning? I'm okay. <laughs> Carnival over. This is done. Thank God it was right on schedule. We, God, God was merciful to us. Uh, but devoted to one another. I mean, that means we're standing with one another. That means we're going to go the distance with one another. We're in a race together. And, and I love it. It's like that illustration of the, of the gal that goes back and picks up that other runner because she's not sure if she's going to be able to finish or not. But she knows, look, she got this far. She needs to finish. So her finish doesn't matter anymore. So it's like helping her. That's that's a a perfect illustration of the church. I don't get mine until you get yours. That's important stuff. And then finally, honor one another above yourselves. I put that last because in my mind it's probably one of the hardest things to do because we have developed such a selfish, narcissistic society that to even think about honoring one another above ourselves, wow, that's a, that's a tall order these days. But that's exactly what we need to be doing. That is how we can love one another more and more. Again, that, that I will be willing to put my needs aside for the sake of helping you meet yours. Gosh, it's hard. And it does work better when you're doing life together. It's tough to do it to strangers, even though Jesus pushed us to that too. Another whole sermon. But gosh, Jesus told us to do it to, the, to, to, to potential Christians and even our enemies. How much more so for the people we're doing life with? You see? So where do we do these things? Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another. It seems like the writer of Hebrews was, was seeing some of this going on. And he says, and, he said, and then all the more as you see the day, big letter day, big D day, meaning the, the second coming of Christ, all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching, folks. Whew, are we a lot closer to Christ's coming than we probably ever have been historically? I mean, the prophetic, you know, things lined up. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing time to be alive. Because I'm telling you, if he doesn't come in, in a short period of time, I would be really blown away to think of what else needs to line up. Of course, it could be. He only, comes, he only comes when dad says go. 
But wow, is it, are we living in times of globalism, the, 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 the science, the, the technology that's behind? I'm starting a new series next week, and I'm going to be talking about some of this stuff, and it will blow your mind what is going on out there. Matter of fact, it will blow your mind literally. Probably already blowing our minds. But we'll get to that. And let us consider how we may spur one another. And so what is he saying? What, what is the only thing that keeps us from being able to spur one another on with love and good deeds if we're not meeting together? If we're not connecting heart to heart, soul to soul? Now, you can be stubborn. And, you can, and no, like I said, nobody's going to... Last week I talked about that. I got a list and I check it twice as to who's involved in small groups. That's just a good thing for me as a pastor to do, to know the condition of my flock. But I'm encouraging you, but I don't go and, you know, I don't, there's no shakedown, there's no, you know, any of that. It's just, I'm going to be praying for you. Because I know if you're going to love and grow and do so more and more, it's going to come when in the context of a heart-to-heart, small group, house-to-house situation, you've got to share your life. People got, have to know you, and you have to know others for this stuff to happen. I'm going to finish with just reading something I wrote. Once upon a time, there were a people who came from many different places who ended up in the same village. They all, uh, all were as different as the places they came from. They came from other countries in Africa and the islands. They came from the West Coast, the Northeast, the Midwest, and the Deep South. They came from Texas, California, Minnesota, New York, Georgia, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, and about any other state you can think of. And with them, they brought need. Some had their first babies. Others were retired. Some needed friendship, and others just needed a job. Some were afraid to ask for help. Others were desperate to ask for advice. And others quietly suffered with loneliness and with an equal measure of distrust. And with them, they brought need. But in time, they found, they found one another. They learned that they had something to give, something to share. The new parents needed some encouragement that things would get better. The young couple found friendship. The other couples found a renewed purpose. And the single folks felt needed and loved by a new family. But they all found something at the same time. They found that Jesus can be found in any believing soul by the Holy Spirit. They all found that whatever they needed was provided for by God himself and the family he was determined to bring together. And they all found something very profound. They realized that their needs were met by their act of obedience in reaching out and helping others first. That's the kingdom of God, my friends. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you as well. God knows you have need. God knows that your breakthrough is coming and what that breakthrough represents. Each of you knows the, the secret and personal battle that you're having. And yet we ask God, and we ask God, and we ask God, and it's like that illustration of, of the person that sits on the roof during the flood and is praying for help, but, but the helicopter, you know, he, he swears away the boat and he swears away the helicopter and he swears away because I'm waiting for God to do it. And God said, I've been trying to do it. And God does provide the church. God does provide people. They're all around you. 
They're going to be listed in the app in a small group, and you need to just jump in. I know sometimes it's a little intimidating to meet new people, but look, try it. You'll see. It's awesome. Small groups have changed my life. They really have. The input that I've gotten into others, the connections that I've made to push past even my own introverted you know, sense about who I am. It's the way we can love one another more and more. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 830, 10, or 1130 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.